0: Sunday, middle of the week, I wasn't really quite sure what to share, and God made it pretty clear to me at 2.30 in the morning on Wednesday what to share. And not long after that, we had some unfortunate events that took place in our country. I believe that there is a connection here to what the Lord wants to say to us today and to the current state of our nation. And the title of today's message is Genuine Repentance genuine repentance. I know repentance is that big R word that we're not always uh, comfortable with talking about or hearing about. Uh, This pill is a bit bigger than other pills to swallow, and sometimes it doesn't always feel good. But I believe that God wants to speak a word into our hearts today. So let us pray as we come before the Lord's word today. Lord, we just thank you, Father. We come to you humbly, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for our relationship with you. We thank you for your word that is alive and that speaks to us. And we pray, Father, that you would have your way during this service. You would speak to our hearts, and that, Holy Spirit, you will do what needs to be done. You will say what needs to be said, and you will help us to see what needs to be seen. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be traveling throughout the Bible However, we're going to spend a good portion of today in the book of Joel. Now, Joel was one of the earlier prophets that wrote around 830 BC. Uh, He wrote during the reign of Joash. The theme of the book of Joel is the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is more commonly heard about when we read about the second coming, the Lord's return, right? We read about it in 2 Thessalonians and 2 Peter. However, the term... The day of the Lord is not for a specific time, but it's for a period of time of God's judgment. And in the book of Joel, we see it five times. There's five times where we see that God is referring to his judgment on the nation. There were times in the course of history that the sins of men became so intolerable to God that he was going to personally intervene with terrible judgment. In Joel chapter 1, Joel's prophecy begins with a vivid description of a catastrophe, to say the least. And what Joel is seeing, he's never heard about it, he's never seen it before. In fact, you'll see there where Joel goes to the elders of the church and he cries out to them and he, he says, Have you ever seen anything like this before? And if you've never seen anything like this before, have you ever heard of anything like this before? In fact, he says, have your fathers ever told you about what I'm I'm seeing here? And Joel was seeing something that was so intense. And what he was seeing was an invasion that was getting ready to take place. What he was seeing was a plague of locusts that was ready to come on the land, and the locusts were going to devour everything in its path. That would shake you up if you saw something like that, huh? But the plague provided an opportunity. It was an opportunity to Judah to repent. To repent and again recognize God. To recognize God as their only source of strength. I'm not going to stand here today and try to give you an explanation of why bad things happen. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to attempt to do that. However, we can see here where when troubling times come, it's an opportunity for God. It's an opportunity for people to turn to God. So let's look at Joel chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 12. I have the Amplified Bible up on the screen because I really like what it says here. And it says, Even now, says the Lord. And he's talking about after what Joel just saw, okay? He's saying, Even now, turn and come to me with all your heart in genuine repentance, with fasting, and weeping, and mourning. Catch this. Until every barrier is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. 13 says rip your heart to pieces in sorrow and contrition and not your garments. Now look at that. Verse 13 says to rip your heart to pieces and not simply your garments. A different translation says do not rip your clothes to show your sorrow. Instead, turn back to me with broken hearts. Do not simply rip your clothes to show your sorrow but turn back to me. Turn back to God with broken hearts. And when I read this, I'm led to think that Joel is saying, repent. Huh? What's repentance? Repentance is to stop going in one direction, to turn, and to go in a new direction. Right? How many of us in public schools, when they taught us, if we got caught on fire, what do we do? We stop, drop, and roll. Right? Well, just like that, instead of stop, dropping, and rolling turn, and go in a new direction. Catch that today. Stop, turn, and go in a new direction. And we need to go beyond our sorrow and our remorse. We need to go beyond our emotions. We need to go beyond just feeling bad. We can't just stop doing something because we feel bad. But there needs to be an action after that. We need to go beyond the sorrow and the remorse. We need to turn and we need to go in a new direction. In fact, I like what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, To repent is to change your mind about sin and Christ and all the great things of God. And when I first heard that, that was so challenging to me. Because if I was to repent and change what I'm doing, that's one thing. But if I was to repent in the fashion that Charles Spurgeon is saying, that we change our minds on how we even see God that will truly influence how I carry out my life. That will, If I can see God in a different way, then it would change the way I speak to my wife. It would change the way I look at someone at the gas station that has a different color of skin than I do. It would change the way I feel when I see a police officer drive by. So it's the way we see God, not our opinions... Not our definition, but God's definition and God's ways. Amen? So Joel emphasized the need to turn to God in true, genuine repentance. To have total reliance on God. Turning from their past iniquities and recognizing, watch this, recognizing that the repented heart is the only soil which the regenerated soul can grow. And we're going to review that a little bit. The repented heart, not the repented feet, not the repented hands, not the repented eyes, not the repented ears, but the repented heart, okay? The repented heart is the only soil, the only soil, which the regenerated soul can grow. And that word regeneration, that's a pretty big word. That's an important word. In fact, this is what regeneration means. Regeneration is a spiritual transformation In a person brought about by the Holy Spirit Which brings the individual From being spiritually dead To becoming spiritually alive It's a new birth It is a spiritual transformation Just like um, The butterfly and the caterpillar, right? Alright, we're going to step into science class And we're going to participate and help me out here So a caterpillar Does what before it becomes a butterfly? You're whispering, come on Somebody, anybody What is it? What? Cocoon. So how does it get to the cocoon? Spins it. Right? And what's that called? What's in that cocoon, what's happening to that caterpillar? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is what? It's irreversible. It's a change. So inside that cocoon, what's happening is the caterpillar is taking form of something whatever it becomes before it becomes a caterpillar, right? But it cannot reverse back to a caterpillar. It becomes a butterfly. So there's a metamorphosis that takes place when we genuinely repent. And we're going to talk about counterfeit repentance versus genuine repentance. In other words, genuine repentance leads to genuine Transformation. Unless we genuinely repent. Unless we repent. All we're doing, we're simply ripping our clothes to show our sorrow. Rather than turning to God with a broken heart. A.W. Tozer says this. He wrote, A whole new generation of Christians has come up believing that it is possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world that we can accept Christ without forsaking the world I believe that's a fair statement for some Christianity that we see today and I, I can't cast the first stone I'm going to have to walk away and I'm, I'm in that group too I'm in that generation as well where things need to continue to grow In fact, I remember when I first got saved. I was working in the food and beverage industry, Um, and what we would do is we'd go through our shift, and at the end of our shift, we'd go out and have drinks, and we just kind of talk about our shift, and we just relax and we unwind. Um, That usually goes into the night, and we usually used to close the bar out. After there, we would go to as one specific night, we went to a friend's house. At our friend's house, we were playing cards, we were having drinks. For the record, I'm not condoning, you can't, I'm not saying that this is okay, I'm just saying that's where I was at. I was in the cocoon, right? I was in that process of metamorphosis. And uh, so time went on and it was about 5.30 and uh, I was, again, I was a new Christian at the time, but I was getting involved and I was trying to grow in my faith and it was 5.30 and I said, oh, I got to go. They're looking at me like, where in the world are you going at 5.30 in the morning? You know what my response was? I'm going to morning prayer. It's six o'clock on the other side of town. You're like, what? I, re- I remember hearing his voice like, man, you're intense, you know. And it was in that moment that I realized something. I realized that my witness to my unsaved co-workers was it's okay to accept Christ and not forsake the world. And unless we genuinely repent... What type of Bible are we portraying to others? What type of life are we living? What kind of gospel are we preaching without our words? And it wasn't until, I mean, I remember this day vividly. I I, I came to a point, and I was just so frustrated, because I'm usually a pretty extreme guy, and my wife has helped me not to be so extreme with things. But it's either I was all in or I was all out. It's either I was on or I was off. And it came to a point where I just had to make a decision because I was just driving myself nuts, huh? I'm trying to do this church thing. I'm trying to learn about this Christ that died for my sins, and I'm trying to do the right thing. But then there's all these things that I'm still familiar with. There's these things in my life that... I use for coping mechanisms. There's things in how I relax. There's there's all these things that just wasn't aligning with what I was learning, and I was just getting so frustrated. In fact, I remember one time being at the bar, and it was almost like the devil himself just showed up and sat at the stool next to me. And he put his arm around my shoulder, and he said, it wasn't this hard when you weren't going to church, you know? And I was just sick and tired of that. I was frustrated of living that type of life. So I had to make a decision. I had to genuinely repent. I had had to say, I'm going to stop doing this just for the fact that I'm sick and tired of dealing with it. But I didn't realize that that act of genuine repentance was going to put me on a a whole new course. Because it wasn't until I stopped doing that, I turned. And just turning isn't enough. Just stopping and just turning isn't enough. It wasn't until I started going in a new direction when I started making Jesus my first option instead of my third, fourth, fifth, and sixth option. When I started doing that was when he was able to start transforming my life. I was in that cocoon for a long time. But once I broke out, I discovered the wings that God gave me. I discovered the destiny and the path that he called me to 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 go on. And by his grace, here we are today. By his grace. But it all started back, I can look back at that point, it all started with that act of genuine repentance. Am I perfect today? No. Ask my wife. I am not perfect. Am I the same person I used to be? No, I'm not. I'm not. You know, and and some of us today, we're we're seeing some pretty obvious things in our life that need to change. Well, as you're listening to me, you're sitting in your seat. It's fairly quiet in here. And you're probably thinking about some of the obvious things that need to change, right? Come into church, for example. We come to church. We look good. We smell good. We sound good, right? And then we leave church. And it either happens on the way home or when we get home. Huh? Where am I going with this? We start treating each other in ways that we wouldn't normally treat each other in church. Right. Again, I raised my hand. We come to church and we sing songs like, How Great Is Our God? He's the anchor of our soul. And then we go home and when no one's home, either on our devices or our television sets, we watch things that we wouldn't watch if someone else was there. Some of us go to small groups, wherever that may be, during the week. We go to small groups, we're getting connected, we're getting discipled. Huh? We're pouring into each other. We're encouraging each other. And then on the weekends, we're going places where we hope no one sees us going there. For me, can I be transparent? Is that okay? Anger. Anger was my master for a long time. For a long time. And I didn't realize how much of a master it was to me until I became a Christian, to be honest. And it got to a point that it it would affect my marriage. It would affect my career. That I needed to get to a point and say, no, I can't allow anger to cause me to do these things. See, because anger in and of itself is not a sin. The Bible says, be angry and what? Sin not. So anger, anger is just a secondary emotion to an action. Something will happen, we'll get hurt, and it'll cause anger to come up in our lives. But it's what we do with that anger, huh? Operating in self-control. I remember being angry, telling one of the pastors at the time, and the first thing he said to me was, man, where's your self-control? I said, man, this is the last time I'm going to come to you. You know, I felt so condemned, but he was, he was really speaking truth to me. And it wasn't until I had to stop I had to turn and go in a new direction. But with this one, I needed help. I needed counseling. I needed a... And there's some things in your life, I'm saying this for this reason, there's some things in your life that you try to repent of, you try to turn away from, you try to stop doing, you try to go in a new direction. But the truth of the matter is, you need help. You need other peoples. You need people in the body of Christ. You need a brother or a sister to come alongside you. You need to be honest and open and transparent with people and say, hey, I'm really, I'm really messing up. With everybody, no. But that's the importance of small groups. That's the importance of getting together, right? Do not forsake the assembling of saints like some do, right? But encourage one another, right? Edify one another. Build each other up for these reasons so that we can repent from our old ways. So I share that with you today because I'm right there in the boat with you, huh? And for some of us today, you're hearing these examples and they don't apply to you. You're past that. You might have dealt with it at one point, but you're way past that. But the truth is, for some of us, the need to genuinely repent is a, lot, a little less obvious than that. It's more subtle. Like maybe not, comp- not completely trusting God with your finances. It may cause you to keep back what belongs to him or maybe not give him back his skittles when he asks for it right or maybe not putting all the accurate figures on a piece of paper around April 15th disobedience might be less subtle maybe God's leading you to do something and you choose not to do it because of fear you're afraid of the uncertain side of things. You're afraid of what's on the other side. You're afraid of losing control rather than yielding to the Holy Spirit. Maybe disobedience in a manner where God is, has been leading you over and over to witness to someone, but you won't because you don't want to look like an idiot or a radical. Huh? Maybe we need to kind of genu- genuinely repent in those areas. Or lying. I know none of us lie. I know it's only the first service, right? But not the big lies. Not the big, ugly lies that we know we're not supposed to lie about. But more of the little white lies. Huh? The little, tiny lies. The lies that really don't matter that much. The lies that, they don't hurt anybody. You know? Ever get a phone call, honey? This is more for the men, I'm assuming. Hey, honey, did you pick up the milk? Uh, yeah Yeah, I picked up the milk Okay, you on your way home? Uh, yeah, I'm on my way home I just have to uh, go witness to somebody Uh, I'll see you in a little bit And we go to the grocery store to pick up milk You know Or sometimes we lie even out of a good motive Where we don't want to hurt someone We're trying to maybe Manipulate the outcome So we don't hurt them But it's still a lie And remember that genuine repentance means to turn away our old habits, motives, patterns, actions, and behaviors and to go in a new direction. And when I think about these different examples, I think about the Israelites in Judges chapter 10, verses 6 to 16. I'm not going to read it, but I would encourage you to jot it down and read it on your own maybe this week. But in Judges chapter 10 verses 6 to 16, we see a repeated cycle that's taking place. We see a cycle where the Israelites, they are captured by enemies. Um, Actually before that, they're serving other gods. They stop serving God. They stop serving Yahweh. They start serving these other gods. And then they would find themselves captured. And then they would cry out to God. God would look at their situation. He would deliver them. They would be thankful for being delivered, right? And then slowly they'll start serving other gods again. And they'll find themselves in the same mess. And then they cry out to God. God delivers him, them. They're thankful for it. They're going to discovery classes. They're going to small groups, right? They're winning 10 people to the Lord. But then they slowly start drifting to serving gods again. And it's a repeated pattern. And, and sometimes we can really be like that. And it's in those times that I believe instead of genuine repentance, we're offering God a counterfeit repentance. And what's a counterfeit repentance? Counterfeit repentance or counterfeit dollar, if you would, in this case, it would look just like the real thing, but it's really not. In that moment where we're in a situation and we're crying out to God, God, if you would just help me, if you would just give me $100 to pay my bills, I promise that I will no longer buy lottery tickets. And God, someone comes to your door and blesses you with $200. And you're saying, wow, God really heard my prayers. And now you have an extra $100 to buy more lottery tickets because you have the $100 you asked for. You know? Because God really blessed you, right? And then we find ourselves in a situation, you know, God, if you just bless me, I, I, I promise I will not do it again. I will, I will come to church early. I will give 20% instead of 10%. I promise. Whatever you want me to do, I will God comes through for you but then little by little we begin to drift and we start serving other gods again. Repentance doesn't mean anything if you keep doing what you're sorry for. Let me say that again. Repentance truly doesn't mean anything if you keep doing what you're sorry for. And that comes from Matthew chapter 3 verse 8. It says prove by the way you live prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Unless we genuinely repent all we're doing is ripping our clothes to show our sorrow rather than turning to God with a broken heart. Okay. Been pretty quiet up to this point. Is anyone ready for some good news? How many people want good news? One person wants good news. Three people, four people. Billy Graham says this. The wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy and he responds to repentance. That's the good news. See, I can't come up here and just preach that God is a God of love even though he is, but I can't preach Just that, I have to give you the whole picture that God is also a just God, right? But we do come back to that, and we are reminded, and we balance this out, that he is a God of mercy. In fact, every day, the Bible says, he gives us loving kindness and tender mercies every day. In the second part of Joel, chapter 2, let's look at Joel 2.13. It says, Now return in repentance. To the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, faithful to his covenant with his people, and he relents his sentence of evil when his people do what? Genuinely repent. See, genuine repentance does this genuine repentance returns us to the cross of Jesus Christ. Genuine repentance is a declaration of faith that reminds us we need to depend on God and make him the Lord of everything in our lives. Genuine repentance makes it all about him and not about us. Genuine repentance is an action that goes beyond our emotions. Genuine repentance is the threshold between religion and relationship. Genuine repentance is where we experience the transforming power of God. Unless we genuinely repent, we'll never make it to the cocoon. And if we don't make it to the cocoon, we will never experience that metamorphosis. And if we don't experience the metamorphosis, then we will fail to become who God has called us to be. And it takes genuine repentance to access that process. To access that process. And it takes genuine repentance to keep us in that process. Amen? And going back to the story in Joel, we see in verses 14 and 17 that, that Joel is now giving instruction to the people. Right? He's giving instructions to them what to do, to genuinely repent. In 18 to 27, we see God's promise, genuine repentance. In verse 28, it says this, but it shall come after this. After what? After genuine repentance repentance. It will come after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Amen? Unless we genuinely repent, all we're doing is ripping our clothes to show our sorrow rather than returning to God with a broken heart. I'm going to call the worship team to come up because I believe that God wants to do something Today, I believe that God wants to begin the process of metamorphosis. I think about Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen, and it says, "Then if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face." And turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will hear their land. We are his people, right? We are his people. This scripture is for the church. This scripture isn't for those that are outside of the church. This scripture isn't for the lost. This scripture is for us because we are his people. And when we humble ourselves, when we pray, when we seek his face, and most importantly, when we turn from our wicked ways with genuine repentance, he will hear us from heaven. He will forgive our sins and he will heal our land. And our land needs healing. Church, our land needs healing. And there's only one way that healing is going to come. And it's going to usher through what? Not just one of these things. All four of these things combined together. It doesn't say if. Or or it says, and. Let's look at it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it is then that I will hear from heaven. Right? I'll forgive their sins and I will heal their land. We can't just do three out of four. We can't do two out of four. We can't do one out of four. We have to do four out of four. The world, the news stations won't re- report what I'm about to say. We're not going to see this on the front page of the, of, of the Post or, the, or any other newspaper. But the only way that God will be able to bring unity back to the United States of America is through genuine repentance. The only way there will be revival, the only way there will be another great awakening, the only way there'll be another move of God is through us. In fact, I believe that there's a lot of people in this nation today. There are many people across the nation today that are looking up at heaven and waiting for a move of God. I believe that God's in heaven looking down on earth waiting for a move of man. I truly believe that. In fact, it says that in Ezekiel. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty, 30. And I sought for a man among them. That should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. That I should not destroy it. Huh? Can you stand with me today? And if you can't stand, go ahead and stay seated. But I I, I would just ask you if you can stand with me today. The only way we can come to God is if we have a relationship with God. If we're going to be the answer to God bringing healing, then we need to be his people. And just by a show of hands, how many of you today believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you are his people, that you have a relationship with him, and you have an eternal destiny promised to you? Praise God. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. Nothing brings me more joy than to know someone has confidence in their relationship with Jesus Christ. On the other side of that coin, nothing brings me more compassion and sorrow when someone doesn't know of what Jesus Christ did for them. They didn't come to the place where they understand that Jesus Christ took a cross for their sins, and that he became the penalty, the ransom for many, for you. And just a moment ago, I I asked you to raise your hands, and many of you did, but the truth is some of you didn't. And I have the opportunity now to extend an invitation to you. And that invitation is for you to accept Jesus Christ. If not now, then when? If not now, then when? So again, with no one moving, with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, I'd love to pray for you. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you might not have everything figured out. You might not understand all of the theology, but you just know that there's something tugging on your heart right now that's drawing you to wanting more, wanting to know more. If that's you today, I would love to pray for you, but in order for me to pray for you, I just need to know where you are. So if that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you are desiring a relationship with Jesus Christ, would you lift up your hand today so I can pray for you? Would you allow today to be the first day of the rest of your life to begin the process of receiving the healing, receiving the promise, receiving the love that this world cannot offer? If that's you today, if you want to be bold enough, I believe that God's calling some. Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Well, let's do this, church. Would you just repeat after me? Lord Jesus, today I give you my life. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I believe that he died on a cross for my sins and he was buried and he rose again and when he rose he went up to the father and I have faith that I'm seated with him today I choose to turn from an old life of sin to a new life in Christ I open my heart to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer today and you didn't raise your hand, but maybe afterwards you decided, you know what, maybe I was just a little embarrassed to come to the front, I would love to have an opportunity to chat with you privately on the side. So please come see me after the service. But right now, what we're going to do is we're going to open up our altars. Because I believe that God wants us to respond. We can't hear a message like this. It doesn't come from me. It comes from God. It comes from his word. But this type of message requires a response. And Pastor Brian always says, and I agree with him, do you have to come to the altar to receive healing? Do you have to come to the altar to be restored? No. However, it is an act of your faith. And you're saying, you know what? By faith, I'm going to respond to the spoken word of God today. And I'm going to believe for areas of my life that I need to repent of. I need to genuinely repent. And maybe you have everything figured out and you don't need to genuinely repent. After the service, come pray for me. But maybe you want to come to the front and genuinely repent on behalf of our nation so that we can seek God and allow His healing to come and to flow into our lives. So that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to, the the team's going to lead us, and we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is just going to bring a time of restoration. Amen.